the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to a special edition of the Spot Track Podcast, MLB Extensions 2020. Joined by cousin Dan. My name is Mike Giannetti. Dan, welcome back to the show. We've got some real baseball to talk about here. We made it to the postseason. Uh, didn't go so well for your <laughs> your Cleveland team, so we'll leave that alone for a little bit here. But I've got a list of about 25 players here that I think may be extension candidates. Uh, look, it's going to be a weird free agency. The money's going to be a discussion point with teams, with the league. It really hasn't stopped these other leagues from spending. So, you know, that's why I went forward with this piece. That's why I've got you here. I want to kind of go player by player and basically just get your quick reaction. You know, is he staying? Is he going? If he's a pending free agent, how does this money sound that I've got projected for each? You know, where maybe where's your head with these kind of players? What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. I, um, I, I, I think it's hard for anybody to project, like you said, where the money's going to go um, this off season. So I think, you know, viewing this through the, the lens of um, team context is probably the best way to do this. But yeah, let, let's, uh, let's dive in. Right. I mean, who's going to spend, who's going to buy. It's kind of like a trade deadline where you kind of have to assess right now what a team is because I don't think there's going to be too many middling teams this year. You know what I mean? I don't think too many teams are going to be trying to reach and go for it when they know they really don't have a realistic chance, especially those teams in the Dodgers division. What, what do you do out there? You know, what do you do if you're Arizona who I completely left off this list because I just can't see them making splashes, even though they did just bring in Bumgarner. Is that a team you're okay with right now? Or are they thinking like I just, I, I just, you know, stated, we're not even going to touch these Dodgers. We've got to think otherwise right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think the, the Bumgarner move was certainly um, done with the intention of trying to win this year, but that move looks totally different. Yeah, do they regret that now, Dan? Six months ago. I would, I don't know how they don't, but I mean, this is this kind of the second big pitching contract they've handed out after Grinky and it's kind of bit them, them in the butt both times here. I mean, the Grinky contract wasn't, wasn't terrible, but you could see they immediately wanted to get out of that. And they did. Um, Was it two years? So, yeah. And they did. So is that a conversation piece here? I mean, the, the starting pitching market on the free agent scene here isn't great. We, we certainly had a great one last year. And there were some major contracts because of it in Strasburg and Cole, of course. You know, it's going to be Bauer and then some guys in terms of starting pitching on the market. So if you throw a name like Bumgarner into a trade conversation, I imagine Arizona is at least listening, right? I think they would. I, I think they would kill to get him off of their roster. Yeah. Quite honestly, right now, and and I, a lot of his metrics and peripherals are, are not good. He has a ton of name recognition among fans. They probably did it somewhat, you know, because of that, but I mean, his arm kind of looks shot now. He's got a lot of miles on there. A lot of smart people that I listen to um, do not like his long-term prospects here. So I I think if Arizona could get out from under that contract, you know, with getting minimal in return as well, just to get out from the money, I think they absolutely would, but um, maybe I'm misprojecting where they think they are, you know, in their window, which it is kind of hard to read. I mean, they were sellers, but sort of buyers at the deadline too, you know, like they, they bought like Zach Galen, you know, talent like that, that is not really like a, we are totally tearing this down and rebuilding, um, you know, type of move. So you you give up Starling Marte, Robbie Ray, guys like that, but then you bring in, you know, (laughs) similar age talent. I, I guess I really just don't have a handle on where they're going to go, but yeah, to answer your question directly, I think um, if they could get out from Bumgarner, they, they certainly would. I have to think Toronto, the White Sox, the Padres are listening. I, I mean, it's four years, 79 million left. So it's way too much money. Arizona's probably eaten some of that, maybe, quite, well, yeah. maybe quite a bit of that, but those are the three teams that make sense because we, we, we know where they now are. I mean, they're, they're wild card at the minimum, so if you add, and if Bumgarner's your third best pitcher on those rosters, which he very well could be, then he's probably okay, right? I mean, he's not an ace is what you're saying, and he shouldn't be treated as one. Uh, but I think if he goes to a team like that where he's kind of the, uh, the father figure, I think it's perfect. Yeah, when, when you said Toronto, it kind of stuck with me because they, they've been a team in the past who have targeted these sort of guys, specifically coming to mind as David Price when I, I believe he, they got him from the Tigers after – um, yeah, the Tigers reacquired him, but, um, Clemens I, they, was similar. They, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they 
sort of identified a guy that they think has some meat on the bone, but a team that wants to get rid of the money. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'll look it up after this, but um, I think they took on very little money in the Davis David Price deal. So if that's a similar idea where they want to stick Bumgarner as their third or fourth starter behind, you know, Ryu and some, some, you know, pretty high end pitching prospects and a yeah. Pearson guys like that. I, I think that's like a, uh, that's a nice suggestion there. I, I think San Diego is looking for a little more, a little, something a little bit more solid and dependable in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I think Toronto, you saying Toronto, that, that stuck with me. They, that's the kind of team that, that might take that risk in my opinion. Well, let's transition then right to Trevor Bauer, because that's obviously the name that's, that, that kind of stands out on this list right now. He's a pending free agent. He actually is now a free agent, essentially, because Cincinnati's out of the postseason. You know, Cincinnati brings him in basically as a rental. Uh, he's such a wild-card kind of player, just as it is. You know him very well from following him in Cleveland. San Diego's got to be on the top of this list. Is that incorrect and saying? No, I I agree. I agree with that. I think um, in previous podcasts, we've, we've discussed how the, the Padres' window in – um, that I, I think they're kind of in win now mode where they don't necessarily need to sign. Like I liked Lance Lynn going there. If you remember our yeah. trade um, trade deadline talk, I liked Lance Lynn going there for the short term viability of that, where they're not going to be lock, locked into some, you know, you know, six or seven year mega deal where they're coughing up, you know, 200 plus million. Bauer, as many people know, is a guy who is, is looking for a short-term, even one-year deals, possibly. So I think you the still Padres, believe that, Dan. Um, I, I do I do to a certain extent, but I do think that if he wins the Cy Young, it's a totally different ball game for him. I, you know, so but I, at the heart of it, I, I, he, he is typically very honest, and he typically sticks by what he says. So I am willing to trust his his agent same thing on Twitter. They are, they've seen very much about that kind of contract, but if, you know, if it's a shorter term deal, let's say a three, four year deal instead of a seven or eight year deal, you know, in a situation he feels good in and it's a lot of money, you know, if he's, if he's paid for, if he's paid more for taking a shorter term deal, I think it's something he has to look at. I, but also, I mean, he's not to like dive too far down the Trevor Bauer wormhole, but he, he has done super unique things with his training and his, you know, he thinks he's, he thinks his arm won't get hurt. Do you know what I mean? So he's willing to bet on himself where other pitchers want to get paid as much as they can before they fall off a cliff. Do you know what I mean? I, I, not that a player thinks like that, but in Trevor Bauer's case, I think he's willing to bet on himself way more than other other players in a similar situation would be but yes i agree with you the cy young thing would definitely change things um but i i I think he's looking for a shorter term deal i'm not going to even label it a one one year deal but i I think he would still look for a shorter shorter term very high dollar though uh, he he, uh i mean even in cincinnati i don't think i would classify him as the ace there he certainly wasn't the ace in cleveland even though he had his moments and, you know, I do our evaluations over a two-year period. When his numbers came up in terms of our projection calculations, you know, they didn't jump off the page. Any of, none of them jumped off the page. I mean, he didn't, he didn't come close to valuing where I had Cole and Strasburg last year, for instance. And, and to be quite honest, Dan, he, he couldn't even approach Zach Wheeler in terms of production, who last year got almost $24 million from the Phillies, you know, on a five-year deal. So just nuts and bolts. Trevor Bauer is a $22 million pitcher for me, but he is the best pitcher on the market. He is going to win the Cy Young, we think. All of that has to factor in, you know? So if it's a multi-year deal, $22 million seems crazy low for the best available pitcher on the market. But our teams now, you know, are they going to abuse this lack of revenue in 2020 to sort of make sure that these contracts are tempered next season? Or is it going to be this, you know, a similar situation we've had over the past where, Pitchers get paid, especially in free agency, and it's just not. There's going to be no way around it. Is, is he a thirty million dollar pitcher? Man, I I think we're gonna we're probably gonna end up doing a whole podcast on this once he does sign to yeah. just kind of, to see you know what he does end up doing and how to to look at that going forward because um, he really is super interesting. I mean, he he had a ton of issues with command for multiple years. Twenty seventeen, he seemed to put it together. Um, 
or 2018, I'm sorry, 2019, he got hurt this year. Sorry. I was right on that 2017, 2018, he got hurt 2019. We kind of know what happened with Cleveland. And then this year, obviously he was in Cincinnati. So um, he had really two spike years, 2018 and, and this year. And besides that, his numbers don't look good. So I totally understand you saying your valuations don't put him up there. Um, I think the current eye test people would be willing to give him a whole boatload of money. But again, for the reasons the Indians traded him, there might, you know, there might be some team chemistry concerns there. So I think there are a lot of variables that, that add into what you're trying to say that maybe he is not worth, you know, 40 million for one year or whatever number you want to put on it. And maybe he will settle into that mid twenties range. But um, I really, I'm like, I don't even want to act like I know because I really don't know what direction this will go. I, I think it could go. I mean, I think there's a couple paths that this could obvious paths that this could go and, you know, whatever whatever direction it goes i think there will be ripple effects and you know we'll kind of see the dominoes fall but at this point i think there's too many ways it could go to really to really put it in a box <clears throat> i mean we've mentioned the padres it's not, there's no way sense in, in mentioning other teams because really everybody's going to at least take a look at him because he is right. the, the top dog but we have we i mean it stands the reason that putting him with mike clevenger you know uh, his old partner in cleveland also makes sense right you, you mentioned the locker room situation i would imagine that would help to some degree right yeah, I actually already saw uh, Bauer posted like a sort of like a not a farewell, but like a thank you to the Cincinnati fans. And uh, I saw Mike Clevenger retweet with like the <laughs> I think it was like the, the Dr. evil like. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think it would be a good fit. I think team situation wise, it, it would align with where the Padres are and where they might want to be in terms of play a risk and stuff like that and clevenger's there we know that those two are uh are well advertised best friends if you will so um yeah i i, I would say that's the front runner at this point but um what's the highest one-year deal he or sorry the lowest one-year deal he accepts in your opinion great question um because i haven't thought about it that way i've only thought about it the other way what it would take to get him to sign somewhere sure. for a one-year deal right so um so you're saying it like how little would he take instead of in, in coughing up guaranteeing well, one year for less money instead of you know let's, a longer term yeah deal, let, right? let's say baltimore throws 30 million a year at him to come and be the, the guy or you know one of those 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 loose miami who's actually not a bad fit either, throws a pretty good amount of money at him. But he wants to be in San Diego for all the reasons we've talked about here. And San, but San Diego's not going 30 for reasons that you can understand. They've got a lot of mouths to feed in the next couple of years here. So we'll, we'll take you for one, but this is the max we can go for luxury tax purposes. What is that number? I almost don't even know if it's relevant. I mean, yes, it, it's obviously relevant, but I, I think in, like he wouldn't lock himself into a long-term deal that he didn't feel comfortable with in a situation on a team that he didn't feel comfortable with. So, like, but on that same note, his one year, his one year value might never be higher than it is now. Yeah. Unless he, unless he piggybacks this year with another good year and, you know, stacks another good year beyond that, then his, obviously you might be able to project that his value is going to go up. I'm like, I don't have a good, I don't have a good handle on that. I'd say it's probably in the 20 million range, but yeah, I also think there's always going to be some team at a one year deal that will sweep like a, a small market team. I mean, maybe the Marlins think they're ready. And if, if Trevor Bauer falls to a $15 million a year pitcher or something along those lines, something crazy, then yeah, maybe they sweat jump in and say, okay, for a year, we'll spend that money to have an anchor of our rotation, you know? So I think like the, um, you know, finding like the middle of the, the, the graph is, is tough to, to figure out, I think. Well, I, I think you you were probably on to the number that I was thinking, which is 25. That's probably right. I mean, it's above where, foundationally he projects you know using my my calculations and if i'm looking at this padres payroll for 2021 dan you've got lamette is going to be first year arbitration clevenger second year arbitration zach davies if they keep him third year arbitrations chris paddock is pre-arbitration still so if you're adding bauer to that right there and i'm sure i'm leaving a couple out i mean pomerantz is still you know on a on an eight million dollars contract next year so if he if he's a rotation guy for you He's dirt cheap as it is. So 
They have five arms right there without even trying on this rotation next year. So to, to bring in Bauer at 30 makes no sense to me. You understand what I'm saying? Like it, it just it, it completely throws the tilt off of this payroll. And I think this is a team that a lot of people are going to be talking about based on what we've seen early on here in this postseason. You know, this might be a team to watch next year. So you got to be careful with the, the type of people you add to it. And Bauer, as you've mentioned, can be difficult. And you don't want to rock this boat too much. I think you keep it real easy. You offer him one for 25 based on his demands. And knowing that's probably lower than Baltimore's going and Miami's going or whatever. And you say, take it or leave it. Because we, we'd love to have you. And we think you would work long term on this, on this roster for 2021. But we can't, we can't go crazy knowing how good we have things right now. To me, 25 is the number. And, if, and I, I'd be shocked if the Padres went any bigger than that. I think there are other teams that go bigger and, and bolder with Trevor Bauer in 2021. Well, yeah, and and I don't think the Padres would want to go any longer in term because of a lot, a lot of reasons because of the setup that you just said. You know, if you want to lock in lament long term, you have, you know Luis Patino, you have some young guys that are going to come up, but might just not be ready right now. So yeah, yeah, Bauer I didn't even mention you cheesy in those kind of guys, right? <laughs> right. I mean, they might be kind of dead in the water at this point in in their development, but um, yeah. I, I mean, not being depended on by the Padres, but I mean, yeah there might be some meat on the bone there that, that those guys turn into something. But um, yeah, I, I think the timeline works perfectly if they wanted to jump on Bauer and give him, give him more money than other teams wanted, but to just sacrifice the term. So, all right, well, I'll let you pick the next direction here. You want to go relief pitching or hit some batters up here? Um, yeah, let's, let's look at these batters. Okay. Let's start right at the top. I mean, I put him here cause I was going <laughs> alphabetically by team. But boy, this, uh, you know, in terms of this Braves postseason, he's already showing once again just how valuable he is to this team. Freddie Freeman's on this list. He's actually the first name on my list. Um, he's got two years left on his current contract, Dan. Sorry. So, excuse me, he, he's got one more year left now. So 2021 is going to be his final year. So he certainly doesn't have to be extended. And it's, it's not common that veterans are extended earlier than their contract expiring. Generally speaking, you wait, wait and, let, and see what happens from a trade standpoint if you need to. I don't think the Braves need to see anything else. Do you? I mean, I think this is, this is your guy for at least three to four more years minimum based on his age and, and his production and his importance to this young team. I, I think it would make a really good showing to that organization and to the rest of the league that, you know, the Braves are who they are. They know what they are, and it starts with Freddie Freeman. Couldn't have said it better. You you nailed it all. Yeah, I think he's a major piece. I and, and the fan base would love it too. You know, it's that's not, what I'm saying. I don't, do I don't do right by there, everybody here. Yeah, right. And I don't think anyone's gonna go. Oh no, you signed him for seven more years or whatever it might take. I mean, he's a prime player, and even if you do get him into the the non prime years of his career, like that's a guy you want in in Atlanta the rest of his career, in my opinion. So yeah, I um I like it a lot. You I think you covered it all. So his his salary jumps up to twenty two. This year, this year and next year, you know, it started. They bought him out of arbitration and all that good stuff. I mean, this was one of those early contracts, which now the Braves are becoming famous for. So he's due. The problem is because of these lame free agent hitting contracts over the past couple of years, everybody's really mar- market value has come way down in terms of our projections. He, he honestly is valuing at about $22 million right now, which is what he's set to make next year. So what I'm proposing basically is they just tack on four new years at that current price and go about four for 90 more. So really it's about five for 115 ish. Um, You know, that doesn't jump off the page and Freeman's numbers do it sometimes, but I I guess I'm being somewhat realistic with this franchise because, you know, they're going to have to continue to add to stay relevant in the in with the Dodgers being the way they are. They've already paid Acuna. They've already, they already paid Albies. Those salaries will increase more and more every single year, of course. But I just think, you know, you can't go Bryce Harper money with Freddie Freeman right now, knowing what you have around him. Does he accept that, or am I way off here? I think he would accept that, yeah, I, if I'm understanding that correctly. Like, I, I don't think – I think the Bryce Harper scenario, I, I know it's floated out there with guys like Lindor and, and Betts got paid a ton of money, but yeah. also those guys are super unique circumstances where they're like almost – they're almost generational players and the time that they're going to hit free agency, they are so much younger than, than normal players do. So Freddie Freeman at 31, I don't think is looking for 
a $300 million contract. Let me just put it that way. Do you know what I mean? These, these younger guys are looking for that a little bit, but um, yeah. no, I think they, I, I think it would be, I, I, I like what you just said there. I don't think they should do some crazy Miguel Cabrera eight year extension at 31. But like you said, if they want to tack on four years of what he's making now and, and he, uh, you know, it sounds, if I'm not mistaken, he is on record as loving Atlanta. Oh yeah. He you got to make local, him a life. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I, I don't know what there's not, you know, what there isn't to like about this situation. So yeah, everything you just said, lock it up. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I mean, really the contract that I'm, that I'm putting him in, in line for Dan is JD Martinez's deal in Boston. And I understand Freeman as a first baseman, as a pretty good first baseman, really, has a lot more to offer, but you know he's not the only bat in that team, and that's just fa- that's just a fact. I mean, Ronald Cunha Jr. is going to be the bat, the bat, and there's going to be some other kids that come up and and at least contend for that three four hole in that lineup on a daily basis. So you know, yeah, he's 31. That's not going to go away. He's going to get older and older. So I don't think it's crazy a 22 million dollar mark, but I could certainly see it getting to 25 pretty easily if if it had to. I just think it's probably a good starting point for all the reasons we just talked about. All right. Who's next on this list? What do we got here? Oh, speaking of Atlanta, what do you do with Marcel Ozuna, who just had? Uh, I mean, I Dan, I'm, I watched the NL East as much as possible because of the Mets. I, I missed how good of a year this guy had in, in a shortened season. He was on pace for ridiculous numbers. I mean, he ended up with 14 doubles, 18 homers, 56 RBIs, and not even 60 games played. I, I, I don't know if this caught you by surprise as well. He ended up signing a one-year deal after. Um, declining the qualifying offer in St. Louis and really not finding a home for forever. It took forever to get this deal done. He ended up with one for 18 in Atlanta, and it certainly worked yeah. out. So what's next? Same, same money, though. Same I money. Mean, he, yeah. So he basically put – if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm pretty sure he had some – not great experiences in in St. Louis. Yeah. Like it just, it just wasn't a fit. I don't even – I can't even put um, exactly what it was. But um, – so that kind of is a testament to that. He walked away from a qualifying offer, maybe thinking he was going to get a big deal, but he didn't and ends up in Atlanta. And um, it was probably a great move because he's going to get paid now. But yeah, he had a monster year. Is he big time money? I mean, I've, I've got him at about 20 million a year right now on a small multi-year because I just don't, I don't know, after what we just saw last free agency, I can't imagine he goes like seven years, right? Even though he is 29 only. I guess right. somebody could take a chance on him at this point, but you're right. There, there's, there has to be locker room issues because he has bounced around and, he, and people have soured on him pretty quickly. I just don't know how Atlanta lets him walk away right now, knowing that they're in, in such contention, especially this oh, year. Yeah. I, I think it's a great fit in Atlanta, and I don't even want to say locker room issues with him. I just, I just didn't think it was a fit in St. Louis. He got traded there. It wasn't a choice of his. Yeah whatever whatever came of it he didn't want to stay there another year or and maybe mike it was as simple as he thought he was going to get a massive payday and it didn't work out like moustakis s right yes perfect example exactly so he goes he goes to atlanta has a monster year and it's he's probably going to get paid for it but again that's probably not going to be some mega huge contract but again in the you know yeah i think you keep the price low just by offering him multi-years you know, at this point, that's all he probably wants is a couple of years security. So I've got him at three for 60. It sounds about right. A little bit of a raise and two new years added on. Let's just get it done and keep him in town because this is a this is a three year window for this Braves team, assuming they can keep this pitching together. But we'll talk about that in a second. Let's move on. I'm going to move past some of these these uh, early extension guys and, and hit the free agents first. So let's hit George Springer and those Houston Astros. You know, we all kind of thought they might flame out, <laughs> especially with Altuve hitting about a buck ninety for much of this 2020 season. And here they are in the second round of the postseason. And, you know, I, I've got them in the World Series. I don't know if you listened to the last pod. I've got, I've got a Houston Dodgers rematch in the World Series is what I have right now because I think this team knows too damn much about the postseason to bow out at this point. I know that they're Verlander less, and there's a bunch of injuries bouncing around the lineup, but... This guy's been a big reason why, especially in the postseason, that things go well for Houston. But they can't pay everybody, right? I mean, they, they just can't continue to keep paying these guys. Springer walks, right? I think he I think he walks, yeah. And really, that's hard for me to say because I can't picture him anywhere else. You know, if he gets a big payday somewhere, they're going to move him probably into like a middle of the lineup type spot. Uh-huh. And I think, and maybe that changes the kind of player he is, you know, he's, he's never hit for high average or anything, but he's scored a ton of runs, 
hits home runs. Yeah, he's just been a fixture at the top of that lineup now for three or four years. So it's going to be hard to picture him somewhere else. But yeah, I agree. He he probably walks. I, I just don't know where that team is either in terms of where they think they are. Okay. With, Can we with both put out a public service announcements right now? Dear Los Angeles Angels, <laughs> please do not sign anyone in one through eight. You do not need any more position players. None. Zero. You do not need George Springer, new GM of the Los Angeles Anaheim Angels. <laughs> you need starting pitchers and nothing else. Sign seven this offseason. Do not sign George Springer. I think Texas, by the way. I think the Texas Rangers. Nice. Drop him in with a couple of these kids. Maybe they move on from one of those big bloated veteran contracts and get out of it. And uh, he stays in, te- in the state of Texas and goes mastering balls in Arlington this year. Uh, Corey Seager, Dan. We didn't know who he was last year. He kind of fell off the earth a little bit, even though the Dodgers really kind of stuck around without him. He was one of the big reasons that the Dodgers were so darn uh, consistent all year in 2020. Huge numbers. I mean, found some power. He's going to be right up there in terms of shortstop power production, especially heading into 2021. The high mark for shortstops right now is 20 million. Xander Bogarts, totally, totally regrettable in Boston, by the way. But that's the high mark for shortstops if you care about positional payment. You know, I'm not sure how many people, myself included, really value shortstops against shortstops unless you have defensive metrics to look at. But I think by all intents, he's a hell of a shortstop, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He told he had a career year. He might be the Dodgers MVP during the regular season. Uh, Yeah, really, really great year. And again, six, six, eight months ago. What what did you have there? You know, he was not trade candidate. That's who he was. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, he still seems like more of like a bridge deal candidate to me than something real surprising, you know, um, there is, there has been some like lingering injury stuff there. I don't want to like say he has chronic injuries, but, um, there might be some hesitation. He, he, this is again, really the first full year he's, he's put it together. So, um, you're not thinking, you're not thinking like a DD situation, are you? Where he he went one for 14 with Philly. I think he would command more of that, especially with his age. But um, like he's, he, he seems like a guy the Dodgers just re-sign and say, unless they have like some plan for like Lindor or some other big, sure. like how are you improving your team by removing Corey Seager at this point, unless you have another well, big deal lined up or, or you're going to go get somebody. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe his replacement numbers aren't, aren't that great, but well, I mean, do you think – I mean, they've got Gavin Lux, who they're not even using. I know he's a second baseman, but, I mean, does this team already have the prospects below to replace him? Because, again, this is a team that won't be able to pay everybody, even though the Dodgers do spend high. You know, Bellinger's coming soon. They're going to have a couple of pitchers they're going to want to pay because you pay pitchers. Is this just one you don't pay? I mean, how many, short, how many shortstop deals, Dan, are good deals anywhere? Well, that that's the thing too, and I think I think we we're going to eventually get there. The, the number, the shortstop situation in the, across the league it's is ugly. really incredible. Yeah, I mean, if I start looking so down many. the rankings list, Elvis Andrews, yuck. Trevor Story, yuck. Bogarts is already yuck, even though I like the player. I mean, yeah, most right, of, and that's why yeah. that's why I say at at a certain point, like maybe you could find replacement level than Corey Seager for, for way more. I will fully admit that that it just seems like the Dodgers like bring him back on a shorter deal for some money. But I know, I know what you mean. I, I really can't put my finger on what they're going to do there. He's a, he's an interesting player though. Tons of talent. Just, I don't know. I don't know long-term what people think of him. You know, do you think, because I think the right move business wise is let him walk let him go and try to find a contract and then the Dodgers will have the chance to match it. You know what I mean? But, yeah, do, I like that. but does that piss him off? You know, does that, does that burn the bridge with, with Los Angeles by letting him do that? Knowing that they're really just trying to get the best price for him, the lowest price for him. I just wonder because I, I, you know, I think about it when I talk about Dak Prescott, I know you, I know you listen to that pod, but I'm thinking about Corey Seager hitting the market with all these shortstop contracts we're talking about and who's going to do it. Who's going to do seven years for Corey Seager? Baltimore? But do you sign that? I don't know. Right. You know? Uh, honestly, Mike, I think I think we could paint a broad stroke across that point over the really the next two years. There are so many yes. high end players that could come available. That I, I didn't even put Javi Baez on this list, Dan. 
no, and like Chris Bryant, like guys like that are going to command yes. money and and not every team is going to be in a situation to give them $200 million. Do you know what I mean? Like the, over the next two years, there's not going to be a combined, you know, 50 or whatever it might be, 30 contracts given out that are over $200 million. No. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? So some of these, it's almost going to be like musical chairs where teams are going to say, if you think you can go find a better contract than what we're offering you, then go ahead. That's exactly and, what I'm saying. And if we don't fill your seat before you come back to us, then yeah, yeah we'll talk. Then but, you'll take I mean, our bridge deal, right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely. right. You know what it's going to look think, like? It's going to look like the NFL as a whole, where you've got 15 quarterbacks, <laughs> right, who have these ridiculous salaries, and then everybody else is way down here in the lower 40%, and there's really not a middle class. That's what we're going to have, I think, don't you? I mean, I think we're going to have... Machados and the Harpers and the guys who just time it perfectly. But for these guys like Corey Seager, who they don't jump off the page as a superstar, elite, marketable athletes, I can't imagine a seven-year deal for him, even though he's a hell of a player. Absolutely. I mean, like, we're going to look at some first baseman, you know. Huge. Maybe maybe Cody Bellinger's deal looks like Eric Hosmer's deal. And three years later, we're saying, how the hell does – do those two players get the same exact deal? I mean, I don't know the numbers. Maybe that, maybe I'm way off on that, but you know what I'm trying to say that you're absolutely right on. Sometimes it's just the perfect storm of you're the only free agent at a position that's desired or needed. And one team, you know, pops the balloon and gives you as much money as you want. And that deal, you know, compared to everything else looks off. And then you have to decide, you know, is this team actually going to make me happy? (laughs) You know, because generally that team is not going to be very good if they're doing it. They're going to be a a lower team, and you're going to be the the guy who's supposed to come in and save them. That's a terrible spot to be in for a lot of athletes. All right, let's keep moving here a little quicker. Ready? Nelson Cruz. Just just tell me in two sentences what the hell do you do with Nelson Cruz? He's going to be 40-41 here. Um, I I know from a fantasy and a DFS perspective, he's been good to you for a lot of years here now. (laughs) Yeah, Again, I guess I, I just don't have a handle on what it would take for him. What, what do you think? Is he a multi-year guy? No, is he looking for you can't two do years, that. big money? You can't do it. No, no, I mean, what, what is he going to look for? That, that's what I. That's really what I don't know, you know, because, yeah, the production's there. He's still going to – he's going to be worth whatever you value him as, in my opinion. His numbers hold up, right? So if he's looking for a one-year deal or a one-year deal maybe with a, an option second year – Sure. I don't have a problem with any team giving him that. But now if he's going to say, well, look what I've done, you know, give me four years, then that I don't feel comfortable. Or even one at 20 or even one at 20 to me is too much. Right. Yeah. The cliff might be steep there. So I've got him at 10 because that's the only thing I could do with his age looking around the league at what other teams have done. I mean, we saw Eddie Encarnacion kind of get 12-ish. You know, there's a couple of players who are four years younger than him that have kind of lived around that number. He made 12 last year. Um, I couldn't I couldn't give him a raise, even though productively he's been ridiculous. To me, it's, it's two questions. Does he want to play baseball anymore? And two, is he done with the Twins losing in the postseason? Does he go and try to find a better hmm. team? Right. What, why not just go latch on with the Dodgers right? or, or one of these absolute surefire teams where he's, he might hit half the home runs and be a role guy, but he'll be just as helpful in, in a smaller capacity with a better chance to, to win, which I'm sure is what he wants to do at this point if he's coming back to play. So to me, it's less about the money. I think 10's probably about right, though. I could see it getting back up to the 12 that he made this year. But to me, it's not Minnesota or bust. It's, you know, it does Minnesota have a chance to get him back might be the better way to look at it. Well, you, you got to remember, he does have a limited market because he's only a DH at this point. But so is that going to change? Gonna, um, well, actually, great point. So there's uh, another whole. I'm thi- I'm under, I'm going to operate as if that's going to stick around. Because okay, it, so. It, yeah. So then that changes things because then maybe Atlanta punts on a long-term deal to someone like Marcelo Zuna and goes after Cruz for one year. But, <laughs> there you but go. if you, if you ask me, if you propose the question to me that one year, 10 mil, does Nelson Cruz stay in Minnesota? Yes. If it's one year, 10 mil, does he go somewhere else? I say, no, I think it takes him more money to get out of Minnesota, but I think how I think he likes it's a great hitters park. That's a lethal lineup. I think he, I think he's just fine there. So 
All right. I think he likes it there, yeah. DJ LeMahieu, Dan, really similar situation. He's obviously not as old, but I don't think the Yankees brought him in thinking, yeah, this is going to be our second baseman for a bunch of years now. You know, he was kind of a stopgap uh, to kind of fill a couple of mistakes they made. Let's be, let's be frank about it. And he, he had a massive power year in 2019 and then just won a batting title. What do you do with that? This is not a player that they were planning to pay money to, but do you let this walk? Do you, it, did he peak? Is DJ LeMahieu done now? I don't know, man. I, I, I think Brian Cashman would have a tough sell of that if um, – well, I mean, not to jump over LeMahieu, but let's pair him with Judge because it's going to be a similar conversation here. How do, you, how do you handle both of those guys? So, like, if – Cashman were to break off a bunch of money for Aaron judge and let LeMahieu walk. I think he's got mutiny on his hands. You know what I mean? But unless um, you can get out of Stanton. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? If you can free up, if you can free up any of that money, right. Even if you have to pay off 40% of it, if you can free up 60% of Stanton's money, now you've got that. Now you've got a ton of capital to work with and you can start to really keep some of your players. Look, judges, judges only arb two. He's on this list because why not? Honestly, why not? You're, you're somewhat buying low on the guy if you're doing it this year. Um, so you, you've got control over two more years with Judge. So, yes, they could pay him right now. But I, I, I honestly think you have to get rid of Stanton before you pay Aaron Judge from a business standpoint. Now, they're the Yankees. They can do whatever the hell they want. But that, that's how I see it logis- logistically. They both can't coincide with massive contracts. You, you can't do that to yourselves because they're both so darn injury prone. LeMahieu's just not. He's been phenomenal. He's been steady. He's, he has played a different style of ball over the past two years. You know what I'm saying? Like he, they needed him to be a little bit more of a power hitter two years ago because they just didn't have – I mean, everybody was hurt in 2019. Everybody. So he had to step up and hit the ball out of the park sometimes. Didn't have to do that as much this year, and the batting average just skyrocketed. So you're right. I, you know, the 5 a player is kind of dead, even though you and I still long for it. <laughs> but he, he's pretty darn close in terms of the modern 5 tool player. He's a good second baseman. Oh, plays three plays yeah. three positions very well. Yeah, very which well. should also yeah. get him a couple more million. And we've seen how that works on the open market. So, I, you know, I've got him at $17 million a year for two years, two for 34. That's if he stays with the Yankees, because obviously it'd be a treat for him, too, to stay on this team. He, he, he fits well clearly with the staff, with this roster. Uh, but boy, it's not inconceivable for him to go out and get way more on the open market if the Yankees oh, let I, it happen. I, I, I'll take the over on that per projection. Even even okay. with the Yankees. Um, I, I guess that does change things. I just mean in terms of like the. I think he gets more than two years, but okay, um, okay. I think he's shown enough. He 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 won a batting title in in Colorado, yeah. you know, he never put up power numbers there, but then he comes over. He's just absolutely demolished the AL for the last three 32 years, years I, old. I, doesn't scare you at all. Um, I mean a little bit, but I, I'll take a good defensive 32 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like he still play, he can still play. It's not like you need to hide him anywhere. I, I, I would take the over, but I, I mean, maybe he only gets a one year deal. Mike, I have no idea, but he, I like it. Yeah, it's, I it's think really it, hard to understand where these contracts are going to come from. I mean, look, Aaron Hicks just got seven for 70, you know, so smaller average annual, but they locked him in through year 35, age 35. So yeah, that's thinking wild. about that from LeMahieu, that's a minimum three-year contract. So maybe they have to go four years on him. You're right. Uh, I could right, be- and that's why an Aaron Hicks, everything we just said here in the last half an hour, like is probably down the toilet when you look at contracts <laughs> like that. Do you know what I mean? Though so it's like, how do you assess? Yeah, but I, I, I like Aaron Hicks a lot, but I mean, but you know what, Dan, that was the seven years was about lowering that luxury tax salary. It was about getting him at 10 million a year. It matters. Uh, the Yankees staying under the tax threshold is, it has been a big deal for the past five years. They, they well, care. I, it, so, and I get, I get that, but like in a 35 year old Aaron Hicks who has not been able to stay healthy at any point in his career, yeah. that that just screams regret immediately. And and I I will be honest, I like Aaron Hicks a lot. I liked him in Minnesota before he even ever broke out. He comes to the Yankees. I was screaming that the Minnesota Twins gave that him to the Yankees for almost nothing, and then look what he develops into. I'm just saying, like. 
when we're talking like, is this player going to get, thir- we're going to, you know, we're going to quabble over a couple mil here. Is this guy going to get 14 or 13? And Aaron Hicks just got seven years at $70 million. Like, I just think like it's all going to change and I just don't have a handle on it. I hate to say that, you know. Can I float you a name though to maybe bring you back down to earth a little bit? Sure. Daniel Murphy. The, DJ LeMahieu kind of feels like Daniel Murphy did when he left the Mets. He had, okay, d- I'll give that to you. Daniel Murphy went huge power, huge postseason, and also hit 320 one year, you know, leading up to his free agency and basically said, I love this Mets team, but I got to go. Like, I got to go get some money. And guess what? He didn't find that much. He found $12.5 million from Washington, got traded to the Cubs. Then he found 12 from Colorado to replace LeMahieu, <laughs> by the way. At age right. 34, so... Yeah, he, he should have ended up on an AL team, but that's beside the point. Yeah. You're, you're right on that. It's a, it's a guy, He's a guy who just felt like he was always going to produce until he gets to a certain fell age off where a he cliff. falls off a cliff. Exactly. And so, that's, that age yeah. was 32. So yeah, maybe it is LeMayhew, Mike. I, I hope I, I... I will probably be wrong on this, but uh, I don't know. I just think if I'm Brian Cashman, that's the, that's the argument I bring to the negotiating table right there. We're worried you're going to be Daniel Murphy. So here's two for 34. Take it or leave it. Well, yeah, uh, and from a team perspective, they just need to change something. I mean, I'm not saying LeMahieu's the problem or the person that needs to be changed. They but did they just sweep some. your Cleveland Indians, so they, uh, they're yes, doing something I mean, right. Okay, all right. I, I will step back. <laughs> <laughs> JT Real Muto, easily the best catcher on this open market. I assume he's going to get there. I mean, Philly has paid so much money out. Uh, not recklessly, but boy, they haven't gotten the return. Let's put it that way. What do they do here? Is, is, is he really an extension candidate or is he definitely walking? I think he's gone. Yeah. Is he going to the team? I think he's going to staying mm. staying in the national league East. Um, pretty sure. I don't know. Pretty sure the Mets are going to overpay for him. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it a couple times now. And uh, it's, you know, the catching position is certainly one they need to fix, not to mention a third, fourth, and fifth pitcher. But, um, yeah, I, there's going to be teams that I think go pretty big on him. I mean, I've, I've got him at a pretty healthy average annual projection here. So, um, you know, like way up there in terms of catchers, it's close to almost $19 million a year. And uh, really the only one comparatively right now is Yadi Molina at 20, which was kind of like a Kobe Bryant extension, right? St. Louis wanted to keep him. Yachty said, you know, I've taken deals for 20 years now. Just give me a good price. And uh, they're definitely overpaying for Yachty at this point of his career. But that's the high bar. I mean, does Real Muto probably have to pass that? I'm probably low in terms of a baseline projection. I I assume he probably goes north of 20. Mm. No? Do Do you not love the player as much as I think some people do? I like him a lot. I just don't. I, I, is anyone going to go over $20 million on a, on a approaching 30-year catcher? You know, we've talked about catchers before, Dan, at how, you know, especially in this age of technology, if they start going like robot umps and things like that, how the whole idea of the catcher could devalue. Um, and I wonder if that's in GM's heads yet, you know, because, I mean, how many great catchers are there right now? Great. You can't even call yeah. Posey a great catcher anymore. No, you know, no. I, I, I mean, both dual threat. Yeah. Sal no, Perez I mean, is so, so, in, so often injured. You know, I, I just, I'm not even sure I can get you to one. Gary Sanchez is who knows. It's such a tough position right now. I, I, I don't, I just don't know how that 20 million mark can be approached, even though I've got right. him pretty close right now. So I feel pretty good about the number, even if there's a couple of teams that kind of bid each other out for Ramuto, but uh, you know, I, I'd put the Mets in as team number one for him in, in the off season here. All right, let's go back. Let's go back to the Padres. Let's hit up some relief pitching, then a couple of quick uh, early extension guys, and we'll get out of here. Okay, let's go back to those Padres because it was a weird year for that bullpen, and we'll see how it handles here in the postseason. But Kirby Yates goes down with an injury. He was real solid for the past year and a half. I mean, really solid, especially from a fantasy perspective. But uh, he goes down with the injury. They bring Trevor Rosenthal off the streets and reunite him with Mike Matheny, which I think made a lot of sense. It kind of reinvigorated his career. He's the guy. You know, he hasn't been worth a lick. He hasn't been worth the, the bare minimum in terms of a salary over the past two, three seasons, especially with his time with the Nationals. You know, has he done enough to supplant Kirby Yates, or is it a situation where you just bring both back? Both are uh, pending free agents right now. My, my thinking is you probably bring both back and hope that, you, that the depth works out for you. Is that inconceivable? 
Uh, no, no, I think that, I think that's fair. They they traded away some like Cal Quantrill, which was kind of bullpen depth at you know in their organization for the time being. Um, so I, I think they thinned it out there a little bit in in um, not just the Indians trades, but the the multiple trades that they made yeah. at the deadline. So I think um, I, I think your line of thinking is right on. I, I again relief pitching, man. I I don't know where we're gonna go with well, any of these guys. Focus but, on um, Yates for me because I know you like them. Um, but I mean, is is he? Should he be considered a top echelon closer heading to the free to free agency, even with the injury? Because obviously, I've got him at nine million. That's low. That's really low. I mean, almost like half of what Chapman's making right now as the top reliever in baseball. And we know Kimbrel got paid well, about thirteen and a half million last year. I mean, am I am I crazy low on Kirby Yates in terms of what he might be able to, to receive on the open market? Um. No, you're probably there. I think teams will always look for the proven closer and give that person money. Um, I think there's very few of them, though, that deserve any kind of money. I mean, like, look around the league. The the closer situation across the league is kind of a dumpster fire. So, um, It's like a I'm, kicker like, in football right now. Right. I mean, just it's really yeah, bad. Plug, plug and play. I mean, how... I, I, we could probably play a trivia game and we would get most of them wrong. As, I'd get as, them all as, wrong. To, yeah, I stopped caring. Um, In fact, Dan, when, before I did this article, I didn't even realize Liam Hendricks was the closer for Oakland. And then I looked at his number and I was, on a, and, and I was absolutely floored with how good he's been. Let's just go yes. right to him. Because if I've got Kirby Yates at nine, which I know is probably low, I've got Hendricks over $15 million a year. I've got Liam yeah. Hendricks valuing up to Chapman's kind of numbers. right? Mark Melanson, the, the big contracts out there right now. Is, I mean, as an extension in Oakland, that's completely crazy. I mean, Oakland doesn't pay <laughs> home run hitters, let alone closers, but they might. They might, right? Because I, when you got a guy who's going, I, do you just ride it out? I mean, maybe maybe the four years I have for him is the problem, right? Maybe you go two for 30 thinking you've got, you can get two more years of him at, at this kind of production, but you're right. It could fall off in a month and a half. Uh, just give me your thoughts there. I, I know it's going to be much of the same. How do you trust a player at that position? But he's been pretty damn good. Oh, absolutely incredible. But it's really been across like 160, 200, yeah. maybe 200 games. You know, like he he did, he wasn't the closer last year. Blaine Trinan was. He got Who they her paid pretty, $10 million. Right, right. So he got her pretty early on. Hendricks, I think they tried a few guys before settling on Hendricks. And then he was just lights out the the whole second half of last year. And then um, I think he started the year hurt this yeah. year, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, when he did get healthy and back in the game though, again, yeah, absolutely lights out. So um, I don't think like, so similar to like Joe Maurer and catchers, I, I just don't think we're going to see massive relief, like closer deals anymore outside of like, maybe a few guys, but I so think did, so did Kimbrell's deal break the market. Cause I like to think about it that way. Kimbrell yeah, got sor- four yeah, for like 60 ish. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I just think the shelf life on a top end guy is so short. Do you know what I mean? Like let's, yeah. let's say Josh Hader gets extended now. Yes. He's the, the bona fide best closer in baseball as many like to think of him, but, but he wasn't last year. Right. And how long does that continue? Right. So if he, if somebody says, Oh, we have the best closer in baseball and we're going to give him 50 million over four years or whatever it is that, I mean, it could be six months to a year before he's not the best closer. So I just think the league as a whole will kind of get away from those kind of deals. But, um, and Oakland never they, pays those, they deals. but, but what if Oakland gets through here? I mean, there's a logistic path for them to get through this postseason. They do everything well, including closed games, and it's because of Hendricks right now. It just might be one of those situations where it's the perfect storm that we talked about. And if you're going to pick a player to pay, I I think you pay him, right? Uh, (laughs) You're not buying it. You are not buying it. I don't know. The the thought process is absolutely there. I just I have a hard time thinking they'll do it. Do you know what I mean? But no, I'm I can't poke holes in anything you just said. All right, let's let's switch to my beloved amazing Mets, who are not so amazing this year. Last in the NL East after way higher projections for a, a misery of reasons. I've got two players here. I think it's conceivable that one absolutely gets paid this offseason and one there's probably not a chance, but I think it's he's worth being here. The first being Conforto, Michael Conforto, the outfielder, who showed flashes the past couple of seasons of being that real consistent 
not just power, but, but average hitter, opposite field kind of hitter that we knew he was drafted for. Uh, he came out in 2020. I mean, got himself up in the batting title conversation, the MVP conversation in the National League for quite a good portion of this shortened season. He's the real deal. The, you know, a lot of the, Met, the Mets are a mess right now. You know, the bullpen's a bit of a mess. We have no idea who's coming back in terms of starting pitching. But it seems pretty ideal that Conforto and the Mets should find a more long-term marriage, right? I agree. I agree. Are, are you? Do you think the Mets are too much of a mess right now to to put a contract like this on their payroll? Hmm. I do think they are in an interesting spot. Yeah. Could go either way. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, oh, Let me put man. it this way: if they go, if they break it down, right? Let's say they end up trading Conforto. And they have to move on from Syndergaard after his injured season. And they decide they're going to start to go back and get some draft picks and try to build it back up. You know what's going to happen, right? Mr. DeGrom is going to come to the, to the door knocking and saying, get me the H out of town. For sure. Right. <laughs> so and that's, that, that's, that's, I, that's hanging in the balance here, you know? And that's why I think you pay Conforto. You, you love seven or eight of the pieces you have, and you just try to rebuild this thing on the fly. Because I think the, the reverse you lose your franchise starting pitcher and that's too devastating. So to step back a little bit, I guess, okay. what, what, what are they doing with, with Brody and Sandy Alderson? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I think, know. I think that dictates a lot because bro, if you ask me this, you know, before the sale, I'd probably say they re-sign him because Brody has to go for it and prove, you know, he, he tried to, he, he went for it. You know, he put a lot of eggs in one basket and um, it hasn't worked out. So if he, if he wants to keep his job, I would think he is going for it and not okay. trying to sell some rebuild, but I could see Sandy Alderson. I mean, trying to, take a half step back slow the pace and, yeah yeah and, and alderson was the reason a lot of the the talent is on the roster at, yes. in the first place do you know what i mean so I, this is a well-drafted roster you're right know. dan yes and and van wagenen came in and blew it up from a trade perspective you're right you're absolutely right um here's the good news conforto's got one more year of arbitration left so it's absolutely they could just sit in their hands with this and kind right. of see where it goes and obviously, the other name is Alonzo. And the reason Alonzo's here is you can buy, high, buy low on him. He had his predictable sophomore slump, even though the power ended up being there by the end of it. Um, you know, you might be able to throw yourself into one of those Acuna contracts and say, hey, let's, let's lock you in for like six for 100, which is basically what I have him at here. And, you know, we want to pay you well. You're, you're becoming the face of this franchise. Uh, you know, he's the guy in front of the microphone most of the time. He's polarizing. He'll say he'll say what's on his mind for sure. Um, and the home runs sell. Do you get in early on that, or are you worried about long-term Pete Alonso? Hmm. I first of all, I don't think they extend him this year. Okay. Because um, he doesn't mostly, accept it. I I think either side shouldn't want to extend him this year because of as good of a year as he had in year one and as mediocre of a year as he had in year two, I think he will ultimately end up somewhere in the middle of that. And I think that's what the contract should be about. But um, your, your point is right now, if Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo was not like the highest rated prospect when he originally came out. Now last year in training camp, as you well remember, he caught fire and had a ton of um, publicity around him coming into the season. But if, like the the Pete Alonso who was not destined for greatness wants to step back and say the Mets are going to offer me a very team friendly but also very lucrative deal for me. I think I think he could do that, but I think they do wait another year to sort of see where this where he ultimately settles out. Do you know what I mean? If he's Pete Alonso, the sixth hitter in your in your lineup, he's he's a different. He's worth a lot different money than. He is as Pete Our, Alonzo, the 40 home run three hitter, you know? Okay. Perfect. Perfect transition to my final question on him. Are, are hitters like him going to get major contracts? Yeah. I'm like, that's like the, because, that's what all, yeah, go all, ahead. All of these hit. I feel like all of these hitters, we are at a time where there are so many, so many hitters 
And there, and a lot of them, I mean, we saw this three or four years ago when all these guys broke into the league and were like, holy cow, imagine what that 2020 or 2021 off season is going to look like. And, and we're here and, and I don't know what to do with any of it. I feel like on this podcast, I've given you a bunch of, I don't really know what to okay. do with it, No, but it's a projection like, podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, but I, I don't know what to do with any of these guys. And that's what, and then you come back with the Aaron Hicks thing. And I almost, you know, I'm just like, so l- let me put it this way to kind of keep it in context, just from my calculations. And I, you know, I bring in a lot of analytics to try to get these numbers as, as close as possible. I'm projecting Aaron Judge eight years, two hundred million, and Pete Alonso six years, one hundred million. Those two players are very, very different hitters, in how they approach the game and what they're looking for and what their averages and their slugging says. Obviously, Pete's got a very small sample size here, so I'm not trying to you know kill one side or the other. I'm just telling you, if you if you think those two players are alike, you're wrong. Aaron Judge takes a very different approach to his game. And that's why his value is so much higher. Not to mention, as a right fielder, he's much more valuable. He just is. So, I, I, to me, the, I think both the Mets and Pete Alonso would benefit from six years, $100 million right now. Buy him out of arbitration. Get him locked in. Get, get the fan base around the fact that Pete Alonso's on this team for the next four years minimum. You know what I mean? And, and just right, don't, no. even, don't even think about it. And that's not going to be a waste of $100 million because guess what? If all he does is hit 40 home runs per year for the next six years and really never does anything else. His batting average is two thirty, whatever it's going to be good enough. <laughs> Cause you didn't pay well, him. It, you didn't pay him 40 million a year. You paid right, him early and, he, and you, you accepted what he was going to be early. Right. And that, and typically I, I like that. I like that for this Mike, because typically those deals work out for the team in my opinion. Yes. And the player still gets a hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's not like he's making chump change and he doesn't even at six for a hundred. He doesn't have to hit 40 a year. Really? I mean, yeah. if he's hitting 40 a year, he's probably way out playing that contract. And you know but, what you do? You, yeah. th- you throw in a player bo- opt out after four, you know, cause if he is hitting right. 45 a year and he's batting two ninety, then go get your 300 million. Honestly, go get it. But right. I, I just think those kind of deals are going to be more and more. I had Sarah, Sarah Langs on the, on the show a couple, couple of weeks ago, or last week, actually. And I asked her this question about the pre-arbitration contracts. And there's, it just seems like there's a sense out there, Dan, that free agency is not going to be what it, what it was ever again. That some of these guys that think they're waiting for that sixth year to get to free agency are going to be very, very disappointed. just feels like with his kind of small, you know, power but not much else kind of resume – he might be one of those players. You know, Chris Davis, the Chris Davis contract ain't happening anymore. It's just not right. going to be there. So uh, I just think you, you dangle that carrot in front of him right now and, and hope he sticks on it. It's, you know, but right, and it's, it's worked out. I, honestly, Mike, how, how many of them haven't worked out? The, the only yeah. one right now I can think of is um, probably Scott Kingery. Yeah, maybe Chris Archer. But even, he even had a couple of good years, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And... Pitching, I will say, I think is a little bit different because of how quickly the money goes yeah. up. In my, come on, you your, te- I mean? your team is the is the, <laughs> the exhibit A of this, though. I mean, Corey Kluber, Jose Ramirez had the best pre-arbitration contract extensions in terms of the value, the best value that the team got out of it in the history of baseball ever, right? Ever, right. And, and, and Ramirez they, is still on that contract. And they and they had done it. They did it before with Kipnis yes. years ago. They did it even to a degree with Jan Gomes, and that is probably the one that didn't really work out that well for him yes. or for the Indians. But but otherwise, these these small market teams who kind of take that gamble. I mean, the Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albie's deals at the time were kind of mind boggling, and now we look at it two years later and we're like, holy cow! Even what is Acuna to top out at seventeen mil a year? It's crazy. If he's still playing at this caliber in four years from now, he is going to blow that value out of the water. All right, let's finish in your neck of the woods, and then I'm going to bring you back on a on a very soon show, Dan, and we're going to talk Bieber and we're going to talk Juan Soto. Got it? Because I think yeah. those two players specifically are outside of this conversation. Let's finish with the big guy, Frankie Lindor, in your Cle- beloved Cleveland Indians. He'll be heading into the final year of team control, arbitration three next year. You know, the Indians just bowed out early to the Yankees. What the heck happens? You know, we talk shortstops. You know the numbers are there. I mean, he values eight for 222, according to my calculations, which sounds ridiculous after everything we've just said. But he's a dynamic player. He is Jose Reyes 10, 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Charismatic. 
polarizing, just a you know an outstanding kind of teammate. What do they do? I mean, the Indians don't do eight for two twenty two. They don't do that, and I don't think Frankie's taken these these deals that we've talked about with Jose and, and Kluber, right? So what happens here? Do they trade him now? I do. I again do not have a good handle on this. <laughs> Come on, um, this is your team. You got to make it. You got to make I a know, stand. Put your fist down I, here. I've Put your so fist down. People, I, I've debated so many people on this. <laughs> I. So he he's a he is a the perfect player again coming available at a prime time in his career. Yeah, I, I think he of course could. He's he's the best player in any free agency class, in my opinion, probably. Okay, right? hold on. So let me make it easier for you because I don't want you to fall over yourself with this. I'm going to give you two scenarios. Just give me a quick answer on it. Would you rather sign Corey Seager in free agency or trade for Frankie Lindor right now, knowing you got to pay him $200 million minimum? Uh, I, uh, I would. Say it again. I would probably hang on to Lindor, but you're, you're saying to trade for him or, or just sign Corey Seager. Yeah. If I'm the, if I'm Team X, right, looking for a new shortstop, who's the better option there? Flat-out signing Corey Seager on a huge free agent deal or acquiring and signing Frankie Lindor? Because that's what, that's what he's up against right now. Right. I, I, my gut says that Lindor is probably the safer, more consistent player long-term. But, okay. um, I mean, I, that that's my what I was trying to get at it before real briefly is that uh, again I, I love Lindor it all it's a perfect storm for him to get a massive payday but there are so many good shortstops yes. and there are so many other good young offensive there are players so many reasons going, not to pay the shortstop right now exactly and I just like Lindor is is definitely worth 200 plus million dollars he will probably definitely get it from somebody but I think it. I think the suitors are more limited than people think. Do you me know too. what I mean? I think. I, do every, too. I think everyone just thinks everyone in the league would fall all over themselves to go get Frankie Lindor. I really think it's limited as to the, just like it was a year ago when the Indians wanted a massive haul in return. Like, does every team want Lindor on their team? Yeah, probably. But d- does they don't do want to jump to the them? hoops? They don't want to no, jump to the hoops. Have, they don't even have what it would take to get correct. Him. So. That's my point is like the, the matches, in my opinion, are limited to the point where I could I, maybe it's just naiveness on my part. But I, I feel like the Indians could come in at the last minute with like a very, very good, but not the best offer out there for him. And he could come and say, you know, I'm the leader here. I have great relationships. I love playing for Tito. If Tito is still going to be the coach going forward, Jose Ramirez, this young this young core of pitchers who's going to be around. Like there's not a lot of better situations for Lindor to transfer to, in my opinion, unless he is just chasing the money and then he can go get that money. But will the situation be better? And how is it even going to be that much more money? Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Am I quantifying this? Well? Here's my not so expert opinion on this. And it's in line with what you're saying. They make him a great offer right now. A great one. Six years at, you know, 20 to 25, 20 to 22 million a year. That's probably about what they can do. You know, 120 million. Make it now. Try to trade him right now and legitimately try to find a team that will not only give them the prospects they want, but also sign him to the contract he wants. When, mm. when they don't find that, and you and I both think they won't find that, they, they convey that message to the agency of Frankie Lindor. Then they let Frankie stay in March and play up to that trade deadline. And they make the same offer, and they said this, and they do the same thing and try to trade him, <laughs> and find somebody who'll give yeah. them a little bit less prospects. Yes. Si- sign and trade is an interesting scenario with this because yeah. the Indians, the Indians historically don't just let people walk without getting anything for them. But yes. at the same time, he's not worth a whole lot, in my opinion, via the trade, which we know once you get within a year and a half, of it's already too the, close. It's already yeah, too close. So. They might get something at the deadline, but otherwise, they're. I, I don't think they're removing him from this team, though. I mean, it's still I think a good. That, core. I think it's Bryce Harper was going to be my point. I think you ride him until you absolutely don't have him anymore, and understanding you're not going to get anything back from him, you just you, you let him walk. 
You, right. sl- you yeah. slap the qualifying offer on them and do what you can there, and then you let them walk. But I, I right. think like they, they'd rather go for it next year yep. and see what comes of it rather than get some crap you, prospect you use, from a team. You get and you accept and appreciate Frankie Lindor for every minute you're allowed to have him, which they have one more year <laughs> that they're allowed to have him, and then you let him walk on a qualifying offer to decline. That's it. That's all you can do, I think. Because I think he is yeah. he, he's destined for brighter skies, you know, and bigger in bigger paychecks than Cleveland can write. But I, I'd, I'd hate to see them give up on him now for a middling trade. And, the, you know, the trade packages haven't been great. They just haven't. Look what happened with Mookie Betts. That's, a, that's exactly the situation Cleveland could find themselves in. That's exactly what could happen. Yeah. So because yeah, you, you have that you have that massive contract over your head. And yeah. that's that's why we talked about Lindor through through the bets perspective, you know, yeah. at the beginning of the year, because they they parallel so similarly, in my opinion, Production they're just wise. like yeah. they're just like the perfect player to a super marketable, great defender, great hitter, top of the order kind of guy. And and I just I can't pull coals in them as a player, but I just I, I don't know where this will all go. So, yeah. Dan, this has been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's do it again soon. There'll be plenty of off-season baseball talk to have. My thanks to Dan Solman. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spy Track Podcast.